Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Today, we're continuing our Made for More series, and this week we're in week two. And as we're uh, continuing, it made me, as I was preparing the word of the Lord for this week, it made me think of a famous quote by C.S. Lewis. I thought this just really encapsulated what this series is talking about. C.S. Lewis uh, famously writes, he says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. And then he has this famous line, we are far too easily pleased. And I think this really encapsulates this whole series and why we are calling this Made for More. Because the Lord has so much more for us. You know, the, the, the life with God, though it doesn't insulate us from difficult times, but with the Lord we have that John 10, 10 that Jesus talks about that, I came to give you life more abundantly to the full. And even as we walk through those difficult times with the Lord, James says that we're to consider that joy. Because God uses that for our good to strengthen us, to give us perseverance, to enable us to go through. So last week we talked about how we find, uh, we find our joy and our strength in serving, in, in serving others instead of looking inside of ourselves. It's, it's serving others. This week as we continue, we're going to be looking at how God has placed us here to be influencers in the world. And Jesus, he talks about this during his great sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. So we're going to be focusing on that today. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to be focusing in on verses 13 through 16. Let's read this together. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Powerful, powerful uh, section of the Sermon on the Mount. And in this, Jesus is outlining the fact that we are made... For influence, We, meaning that as disciples of Christ, people who are totally surrendered to Him, that we were created to make a difference. And I think that resonates with how God made us. You know, we have this, this inside desire where we want our life to count. We want it to make a difference for the good. You know, we've been given this one life to use. And I was looking at the stats on what's the average longevity of life in America. And for Americans, uh, for men, men in America, uh, the average is 77 and for women, it's 81, so the women are doing better, they're lasting longer. But I looked up, in Canada, men live to be 80, so maybe that bodes well for me. But in all of this, the point is, however many years we've been given, we want to make it the most of the opportunity. So how do we do this? Well, we make the most of our life by living the life that, uh, that we were made to live by God. And this is achieved only by totally surrendering to Him. You know, when I think about success, what success means, I think of it in these terms that success equals obedience. My success is found not in the other data points or all those things or how much I'm doing or how hard I'm working, though. It's important that we do everything as 
to the best of our ability for the Lord, but success is simply obedience to the Lord. See, we find our success when we walk in obedience to God. So the greater the level of my obedience to the Lord in, in this life, the greater the success because my success is found in Him. When we surrender our lives to Christ, when that means that we become a Christian, fully surrendered, the word of the Lord tells us that the Spirit of God, the very Spirit of God fills us and it transforms us now to make an impact on this world through the power of God. And to give us an understanding of what this impact looks like in these scriptures, Jesus compares this to salt and light. He said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. See, these are two things that are so abundant and available to us now in the Western world that I think oftentimes we rarely think about salt and we rarely think about light because those are just given. So I think it's important before we go further to just be reminded of, of what salt is, what light is. See, when we talk about salt, when Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth, uh, salt on its own, is, it's really very simple. It's a natural mineral made up of white cube-shaped crystals uh, composed of two elements, which are sodium and chlorine. It's translucent, it's colorless, it's odorless. And it has a distinctive and characteristic taste. It's, it's really pretty simple. But don't be fooled by its simplicity. When we look at what salt does, we, we see that, that, first of all, salt, it enables and helps our bodies to run. You know, the sodium and the chlorine in salt are electrolytes. You know, these, these are minerals that conduct electricity in our fluids and in all of our tissues. And, and if you want to see what happens when we don't have that, go to WebMD and it will scare you out of your mind. And <laughs> we'll make sure that you're getting enough salt in your body. We also know that salt is a preservative. We don't often think of it that way today. But before refrigeration, this is how food was kept fresh. You know, just getting food was not enough. It's important that we're able to preserve it so that when we need it, we have it. We, we need this. But we also know that salt brings out the flavor. That's why salt is on every table that you will come across in America. It reveals the flavor. It enhances the flavor. So that's the importance of salt. Light also, in a different way, is very important. It's extremely valuable. I mean, just as a reminder how essential light is, we know that light is essential for life. You know, light enables life and it causes things to grow. I mean, Seattleites know how important vitamin D is. We need it. Uh, plants know the value of light. That's why for the gardeners out there, you try to position your garden, your backyard garden, wherever it may be, in, in a place where it can receive more light. That position to get as much light as possible is so important. And we know that uh, as, it, as it relates to light, uh, it's not only essential for life, but light also reveals truth. Light enables us to see where we're going. Uh, and light is, is also the way that Paul described to uh, the process of how we understand. Look at this, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. I love what Paul says. Paul says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. So light reveals, light prote- but also light protects us. We, um, so many people now, they have these automatic lights that light up their backyard because it helps keep the criminals away. Uh, light also helps keep mold away. Mold grows and flourishes in dark, damp places. But light uh, helps that to, to go away. So what is Jesus saying here? Here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that God uses people who are fully surrendered to him, filled with the power of God, to effectively run the world. Just like salt helps the body to run, we are created as stewards of the earth. We see this in Genesis chapter 1. This is how we were made to operate, to help the world to function properly. 
We also know that we are meant as uh, followers of Christ. Jesus says, you're the salt. There's a, a preservation level in there that we talked about last week. We know that, that uh, it serves as a restraining work of Satan in, the, in this world, and that we're Christians are now restraining that evil uh, in so many parts of the world. Salt, and also us as as salt of the earth, uh, we reveal who God is. Just like salt brings out the flavor in foods, Christians are meant to reveal who God is. Matthew five sixteen, Jesus said, "Let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father." Uh, salt and light they also create a thirst, and they cause people to want to taste and see that the Lord is good. See, God doesn't want us just to know about Him. God wants us, wants to be known to us, and He wants us to experience Him. When people meet Christians who've been completely transformed by the power and the love of Christ, this should cause them to want to thirst for God. And here's the big truth about God. This is the potential for everyone. God didn't, Jesus didn't say, you are the salt, you are the light, just to a, a few select people. He said, no, this is how everyone is meant to operate. This is how everyone is to operate. I mean, keep in mind, when Jesus was preaching, when he was speaking, he was speaking to an audience that was predominantly poor, uh, that were seen as being very simple, and often there were so many who were marginalized. And now Jesus is looking at this people that is often forgotten, pushed to the sides and saying, you are the salt of the earth. You, empowered by God, are the light of the world. And just one more note before we move on. I think it's important to, to pay attention to the fact that Jesus didn't say, you have light or you have salt. No, Jesus said, you are salt. You are the light. See, what this means is that light and salt is not just a tool that you have. It's not just an accessory that you grab. But Jesus is saying, now you are transformed. When we surrender, when we're filled with the power of God, we are transformed into salt and to light that God uses. I mean, tools are often lost or they, uh, we, we, we can't find them. If he just gave it to us, it's something that could be easily lost. But he's saying, no, you've been transformed to be the salt of the earth, to be the light of the world through the power of Christ. So with all these amazing things in mind, looking at how God wants to move in our life, why is there such a rub to this? If it's so good, then why do we resist? Why do we resist the things of God? I mean, history overwhelmingly reveals that a society flourishes best under Christian principles. Whether you follow the Lord or not, when you practice the principles of God, the one who made you, a society flourishes. So why do we resist this? Why do we push back? Well, I, I believe that our best answer goes all the way back to the beginning, all the way back to creation, back to the Garden of Eden. If you remember, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were living in perfect creation, perfect communion with God and the world that God created. So how would Satan tempt them to disrupt this perfect situation? They had a great thing going. What is going to make them want to risk losing all that God had given them? Well, Satan made him an offer that would speak to a desire that would be tough to refuse. It was the same desire and the temptation that Satan gave into that ultimately removed him from heaven. And here's what he said to them. Here's how he tempted them to give up the Garden of Eden. He said, you can be like God. You can be like God. This was Satan's fall, the temptation in his own heart that he gave into. Isaiah 14 says it this way. It says, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. 
Do you see how many times the word I is used there? See, the ultimate temptation is to remove God as the authority in our lives and to make ourselves God. What does being God mean? Well, being like God means that I'm saying, well, you know what? I now know everything. I see everything. And I'm in charge. That's the putting ourselves in the position of God. This is the ultimate great internal battle, and it's the one that still rages in all of our hearts today. Only today, instead of calling it sin, we use a nicer word, a more correct word, and that word is individualism. See, today we are in what many have described as a post-Christian culture. What is a post-Christian culture? Well, uh, here's how Mark Sayers describes it. He says, post-Christianity is not pre-Christianity. Rather, post-Christianity attempts to move beyond Christianity while simultaneously feasting upon its fruit. Post-Christian culture attempts to retain the solace of faith while gutting it of the costs, commitments, and restraints that the gospel places upon the individual will. Post-Christianity intuitively yearns for the justice and shalom of the kingdom while defending the reign of the individual will. And then he makes a statement. He says, post-Christianity is Christianity emptied of its content. To sum that all up, post-Christianity essentially is when we want the benefits of friendship with Jesus without the friendship with Jesus. We want all the benefits, but we we don't want to do the cost that Jesus said of laying our life down, of surrendering our life, that deep intimacy with Christ. We want the power of God without God. So essentially, we want to be God. This truth is glaringly visible in our culture today. I think many would agree with that. And, and one of the pieces of evidence of, of, of this is the research that uh, I love organizations like Barna and Pew. And they do this, uh, this it's just really incredible and so helpful research. And, and uh, they frequently will put out this survey in which they ask the question, do you identify as a Christian or which faith uh, do you identify as? And according to the most recent studies, uh, still, the vast majority of people in America today claim to be Christian. It says that 69% of Americans still profess to be Christians. Now, this is a stat that has bothered me because, after all, if two-thirds of America was truly Christian, truly Christian, I mean, then shouldn't our culture look different? I mean, if we're really salt and live the earth and two-thirds of America, over two-thirds of America is Christian, I mean, shouldn't there be more evidence of the love of God in our life, more grace, more truth, all the fruits of the Spirit abounding? I mean, after all, Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit. And he said, no good tree produces bad fruit. He says this in Luke, Luke uh, 6.43. So if two th- over two-thirds of the U.S. were Christians, shouldn't things look different? And I want to encourage you because this is a great biblical question to ask. I know that in Scripture, there's often so many biblical warnings about being careful as it relates to this area of judgment. You know, judge not lest you be judged. So this is something that we need to be very, very careful with. But at the same time, the, the Bible also encourages that there is a righteous form of judgment. It's one that's not based on my opinions, but it's one that's based on the standard that God has laid out. That's why in 1 John 4 it says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in this world. And we even have an account where, where Jesus, he cursed the tree that did not bear fruit and said, Every good tree that does not bear fruit will be cut down. We were made 
to make a difference. We were made to be influencers, but it's only as the power of God is alive in us, only as we are completely surrendered to the Lord. It's not, it's not about being perfect. No one is perfect. And Jesus said, no one is good except God. But it's that life that pursues, that continually lays the life out. Because when the power of Christ is in us, we will change the world around us. The world is changed through the power of God in us. I mean, think about it. Jesus took only a handful of disciples and transformed them and used them to completely transform human history. See, salt radically affects whatever it touches. You know if something has been salted, the evidence is there. So with all this in mind, where is the disconnect from 69% of America claiming to be Christian, but we don't tend to see the fruit? Why is that? Well, I believe that it's because Christianity in America, and especially in the Western world, has been watered down. That it's been reduced to a label that we wear instead of a life that we live. See, salt is incredibly stable and will last a long time. We have, we have bags of salt. We have bottles of salt. We have so much salt in our pantry, different kinds of salt, Himalayan salt, and, and just wonderful things for all the cooking that, that we do. But... If, water, if the salt comes in contact with water, the water will quickly wash it away. And I believe this is what's happened to Christianity in so many areas. How has Christianity been watered down? Well, I think one of the ways is uh, Christianity today has been redefined to being simply a label, simply a way that I choose to identify. For some, uh, being a Christian simply means that you simply believe that God exists. Uh, the, and the Bible is clear that simply believing that God exists does not make a person Christian. You know, uh, I believe that doctors are real, but I am no doctor. If you have a health problem, you need to go to a qualified, trained, someone who has devoted their life and their education to that. And in James chapter 2, verse 19, it says, You say you have faith, for you believe there is one God? He says, good for you, <laughs> good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in fear. And then James, the writer James says, how foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? So this is that righteous judgment that we're talking about, to where, again, it's not perfection, it's not legalism, but when we are filled with the power of God, there should be fruit. There should be evidence in our life. And when we, when we diminish it to just merely a label, um, we water down Christianity. We void ourselves of the opportunity to be transformed by the power of God. So that's, uh, that's one way, I think, just by re being, we've redefined it. We've made it simply a label. But secondly, it's the rejection of the Bible, the rejection of the Word of God. Uh, the, sur the, the survey, the same survey that I, I referred to later by the Barnard Institute, it revealed that the vast majority of those who identified as Christians, 69%, it also revealed that the vast majority has rejected the Bible. 94% of this group said that they do not believe that the Bible is accurate and reliable. So of this group, 69%, they identify as Christian, but 94% of that group says the Bible is not accurate and not reliable. And I, I think this is very important for us to pay attention to because when we reject the Word of God, we are rejecting God. When we don't believe it, when we don't study it, when we don't apply the Word of God to our life, we are rejecting and walking away from God. See, faith begins, the Bible tells us, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Without the Word of God, uh, there is no faith in God, and without faith, there's no power. We see this in Romans chapter 10, verses 17. 
That's why for Jesus, believing and living out the word of God was a main criteria to being a, being a Christian, to being his follower. I mean, Jesus taught his disciples how to read, how to interpret the scriptures. Uh, Jesus taught them that all scripture points to him, to Jesus. And Jesus, he highly criticized those who studied the word of God, but they didn't live it out. They didn't apply it. He called them whitewashed tombs. And Jesus even modeled this by studying the Bible and even teaching in the synagogue at a young age. See, Jesus taught that we live by the word of God. In Matthew 4, 4, he said that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I believe that's why the salt analogy that Jesus used is so powerful. We, we need salt, but what makes salt powerful is not how similar it is to everything else, but how different it is to everything else. Salt doesn't try to be like anything around it, but the draw is in the distinction. What draws us to salt is because it's very different. It makes a difference. It has this influence. And Jesus is saying, this is how you were created, that through the power of God now, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And we need to be careful that we don't try to be like the world. We need to love our neighbor, but there's a distinction. There's a mark upon us where it's important that, yes, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. So how do we regain our purpose as salt and light that Jesus has called us to be? How is this replenished? How do we, maybe you're watching this today and maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and you're saying, boy, I, I feel like I've been watered down. I feel like I've been, instead of being an influence, that I myself have been influenced by things that are not of the Lord. So how do we re replenish it? Well, Jesus is clear that the first thing you do is you throw out the old salt. <laughs> you throw out the old salt. Jesus said, what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? Jesus said, it will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, it's not about pulling all this old stuff together. He's saying, no, get rid of it. The first thing that we need to do is we need to be emptied. See, God is not making a spice mix. We need to be pure salt. I'll never forget one time, uh, one thing I do almost every morning, I have an egg almost every morning, and, and I, I put salt on it every morning. And one morning, and I thought I was grabbing salt, and it was actually a salt mix. And to my horror, my eggs were not the eggs that I wanted. It was, it was covered up, didn't even want it. I think I threw it out. It's not about being a mix. He doesn't add to it. It's Christ and Christ alone. See, we empty ourselves through confession and repentance. The word we use for this is metanoia. It's a complete turnaround. I was heading this way, and then Jesus came into my life, and I completely turned around. And I love what one definition says, that it's this ruthless dismantling of those things, those things that we, that we apologize for, those things we bring to the Lord and say, Lord, please forgive me. There's this ruthless dismantling that takes place because I don't want to walk in that way anymore. I don't want the old watered-down salt. I want the purity of what God has for me. So we have to let go of that, empty ourselves. Secondly, we need to take on the new. We need to be filled. See, once we throw out the old, now we're positioned to take on the new. I heard someone once say that a God can't fill hands that are full already. So the first thing we need to do is empty it. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall see God. We need to empty ourselves of all things. Because once we are emptied, now we're in that position to say, God, fill my life with your spirit. Fill my life with your power. Ephesians 4.22 says, Put off your old self, 
which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, create it after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So how are we filled? We're filled by God. We're filled by his word. That means we take his word, the Bible, and we study it and we apply it. And then through prayer, through hearing God's voice, saying, God, speak to me today. Instruct me today. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides us in all things, teaches us in all truth. The Bible says the Holy Spirit reminds us when we forget. How many forget out there? I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit that reminds me of the things that I forget and instructs me. Every time I go to the, the, the Word of God and I say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me today. Is there anything that I'm missing? The Holy Spirit is faithful to reveal. It's like a fresh reading every time. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So we're filled by God, by His Word, through prayer, through aligning our lives with Him. And you know, that that whole alignment is something that stands out to me because God is continually, He's pouring into our life. But as a vessel, we need to make sure while He's pouring that we're not moving everywhere and missing what God has. We need to be aligned with Him. So as the Lord is pouring in, we are positioned to receive everything that God has. One of the ways that we're also filled that we see throughout Scripture from the beginning to the end is that God fills us through the body of Christ. The body of Christ is the church. Shoreline Community Church is one of those local bodies of Christ. See, the purpose of the body of Christ, the purpose of the church, it says in Hebrews 10, is to encourage one another in our walk with God. We need each other. The, 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 the New Testament church knew this. You know, for us, we, we tend to gather every Sunday. But for the New Testament church in Acts, the Bible says that they were coming together every day because they needed that encouragement. Yes, they were praying. Yes, they were seeking the Lord. Yes, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. But we need other believers, salt and light, to guide us, to encourage us, to encourage us when we're down. We're in a world that is trying to water us down, that is trying to wash us away every day. We need the body of Christ to come and say, you can do this. Let me pray for you. Let me partner with you. Let me share with you something the Lord's doing in my life. Maybe it'll encourage you and show you how to walk. We need each other. We also are are filled as we serve each other. We talked a lot about this last week. I love what Proverbs says. Proverbs says that the one that waters is watered themselves. Meaning the one who gives, the one who refreshes, the one who, who pours out their life for somebody else, they in turn are also water. This is the principle of God. And then Jesus in Luke 6 said, give and it will come back to you. It's, it's a principle of God. And Galatians 6, as you sow, you will reap. I think sometimes we're looking to reap this harvest and God is saying, you haven't sowed anything yet. As followers of Christ, we were made for more. We were made to be influential through the power of God in the world that we're in. Let me encourage you in this season as we walk forward to be filled with the Spirit of God, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to hear His voice and then to respond in obedience, bold faith, influencing the world around you for the body of Christ. Be filled in these areas. So before we join the worship team today, as we just join our voices together, wherever you are today, in worshiping the Lord together, I'd like for you to think about just a few questions because, again, faith that works is dead. It's important that we apply the Word of God to our lives. So ask yourself, am I being watered down? Spiritually, are there any areas of my life that they're being watered down? And a good indicator of this is ask yourself, where am I being tempted to compromise? What does compromise look like in my life? 
And then the second part of that is, am I positioning myself to be revealed? God is pouring in, but am I moving out of alignment with him? See, God is continually, continually pouring in. Pray to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, position me in God's will. Position me in alignment with the way that God has called me to live so that I can be filled with his power. You know, ask a question that I often have for, uh, I used to say young disciples, but this is for all disciples, is how is your time with the Lord? Are you starting your day by saying, God, this first part, I'm giving you the first tithe of my time today. Speak to me. Pouring in his word, praying, listening to God. Are you positioning yourself to regularly gather with the body of Christ? Right now online, in person. There's so many things that happen as we gather online. I know for in-person, we're seeing more and more people uh, coming forward for prayer each week, praying with one another. People are, are lingering before and after church to, to en- encourage one another. They're going out, having lunch together and talking about the things of the Lord and just laughing together. We need each other. So ask yourself, am I positioning myself to be filled so that I can be salt and light that God has called me to be? Amen. 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 Lord, speak to us today. We are servants. We are listening. You call us to be salt and light. So Lord, show us a various that we're being attempted to compromise or watered down. And God, throw that out. Throw that out. And then refill us by your spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is our benediction together. Let's say this together before we leave today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.